All right, how are you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by Nugenics. Willie is still here for a few more weeks. Thank God. We got to keep this son of a gun around. Charles is not around today, which we, we all need a little bit of Charles in our life. I need Charles. I always need a little bit of Charles in our life, but he's not around today. So I've got only one redhead I got to deal with. The, uh, the Russians. Uh, did you see the thing with Progosian? Him and uh, Shogu getting pissed at each other again. This oh morning. yeah, yeah. yeah this is getting pretty uh, well, uh, you and I last time we talked, we looked at part one and two of that video of Prigozhin in yeah. that like hour long interview. There's actually some more of that has come out, and like he's basically warning those guys the death penalty or uh, to like go to jail. What like what? he's calling for like the death penalty to the chief of defence. Oh, oh really? Yeah, I know. I, I, this morning. Uh, this came out, what time is it? Literally two hours, less than two hours ago. Yes, Shogu is, is, is apparently saying that they need to sign all their volunteer detachments. Did you read this? Yes. This is kind of weird. I don't really know what you were trying to go with this. They're he cast treachery for failing to fight inside of Ukraine properly. Like he's really going after the dude's throats, like pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this kind of, which is kind of strange, but he never says anything about Vladimir Putin himself. Well, th- this is yeah, time. but this is what everyone says: is all these guys you've got Kadyrov, Shogu, Gerasimov, uh, Prigozhin, they're all in fighting. No one says anything about Putin. Now, in uh, and just a quick rundown of what happened of that when Prigozhin's talking about Shogu, he's basically saying that there's. Um, like ruling in Russia that if you have like an operation that kills more than a certain amount of people, there you therefore your charge is like rogue command somewhat. And he's basically like, this has killed fifty thousand people. Like, you prove to me that you are ready to invade the country. That the equipment was ready. That the tactics were sound. And as same as say in America, if America invaded a country and the, whoever commander was completely negligent in their operation, they could be charged under rogue command and other things as well. And that's more what Prigozhin is calling yep. for. It's very interesting. And something that I bring up a bit, but you've got to remember too, Shogu has his own PMC and fingers in the pie. Now, he's not the sole entity owner, but he's got his finger in the pie of a PMC. And if you're not telling me that some level of like you know, um, conflict of interest being the chief of defense and that it's, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> no, no, he, so this is this. So he said this yesterday and it's more, I guess it's just starting to come out right now, but he's ordered all volunteer detachments to sign contracts with the ministry by the end of the month. Apparently the step that ministry is actually, they're trying to increase the effectiveness of the Russian army. So they're trying to soak up and try to sign Wagner's men underneath their umbrella. So it's more effective. The army's more effective. And they did not wait. They actually did not mention them directly inside of their statement. This is actually really kind of goofy, to be honest with you. Uh, they think it's an attempt by Shogu to actually bring the mercenaries to heal. Um, but of course, Prigozhin's all over the place on this. He's literally asking for this dude to die, which is kind of crazy. The most effective arm we've seen of the Russian military is Wagner. Yeah, um, and there's a really good breakdown on on this of how Wagner works with the idea of. Uh, a linear, um, what do you call it, rank structure, these all ex-Spetsnaz guys and the experience through Syria, Africa, whatever. It, it, it's one of those things, but it is it is funny trying to bring them to bear and later on in that video as well, Progosian literally says, if we go to Belgrade in that region, well, what's stopping us turning and going and getting our weapons? 
Meaning like, you know how he was limited ammunition, or he says yeah. it was, that we'll go get our own. They'll march in and, and get it. And you're like, oh, this civil war brewing up in this in this as well. Not more than a civil war. It's a, it's a power struggle. It's yeah. exactly what's going on. It's kind of somewhat ironic because you have, they're trying to fight a war. Right now, I'm not going to say they're losing, but they're not really winning. I don't really know who's winning right now. I, I, I will say there's a little bit of stuff that's happened on the Ukrainian counteroffensive. A lot of people were probably anticipating to be as, as explosive. That's a good word. Mm. As last year's, or not last year, well, kind of last year's. It was last year's, matter of fact. <laughs> Six months ago. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, one we was, that. <laughs> that one was pretty good. I mean, they, they took ground really fast, but that's not been the case this time. They are taking chunks. They just took a couple this morning. We, we do have some uh, some videos we're going to share from, from, from Russian State TV. I have not watched, watched personally, but they got pretty pissed over the last uh, two days ago over some certain things that have been happening, which I absolutely love. It, it has to do with the dam. I mean, there's some infighting now, I guess you would say, between between the parties on who's to blame. Right. I'm excited about that one. But you said there that the offensive was not explosive as the um, Herson Kharkiv offensives last year, yeah. counteroffensives. But it's a completely different op too. Like, Herson Kharkiv absolutely was, like, territory, especially Herson. They like the Russians across the river were in a really shit spot and had to get back across that. And the um, defensive measures were nowhere near as built up, and their supply routes were absolutely uh, could be engaged and taken out. Kharkiv, as well, was nowhere near the defensive works are seeing. So, those examples of that, it's like, yeah, but the Ukrainians now are hitting proper dug in defense works, so it is going to move a lot slower. and we just, and I think people have this idea we're going to see a push in. It's an afternoon. People think that this offensive is going to be an afternoon. This offensive is probably going to take months. I think there's actually a lot of this happening at night, more more so than it was last time, because they're moving in the southern region of the country, which is more open, just different terrain than it was up in the the Kharkiv region, mm-hmm. as you would say. This the. The Russian sources are claiming, and I, this is why I think that it's, good. it's moving at a much slower pace, but it's still a little bit, it's still effective because they're still taking ground. Now, Russian sources are claiming that Ukrainian forces have actually have the tactical advantage because they're conducting assaults at night due to Western-provided equipment with superior night optics. We do know this to be the case. I don't know how much they really have. I mean, our stuff's going to be a lot better than Russians for sure, 100% hands down, but I have no idea how much has actually been facilitated and actually handed out to I don't know. Yeah. I don't think yeah, anybody really like knows. You and I would say that like BVS 14s are yeah, better yeah. than what I've got, but yeah, I don't know. how many pairs have actually been given, things things are cool. But those vehicles, the the um, night fighting equipment within those vehicles is going to be brilliant. Oh, so, yeah. But I, I, the other thing is, is like what kind of stuff have they actually been given? Because there's always the chance that stuff's going to get lost. Well, that's 100% going to happen. Stuff's going to get lost and taken over. And how much of that stuff do you really want in the hands on on the opposite side. Yeah. I don't know. That That's what I'm saying. But Ukrainian forces, I I, I guess in the, this actually says it, it names Aparisia, the whole region down there um, itself. And they're saying that night assaults are the reason why Ukrainian forces are actually able to effectively move, move in that area, which makes a little bit of sense. We've seen what happens when they don't move at night with the Bradley pile up on basically. Yeah. It is... How many did you say they lost? Eight or something? So from uh, Oryx's numbers, it is currently four Leopard 2A6s were lost, and I believe 10 Bradley ten and Bradleys. two Bradleys. Ten Bradleys. And 
that op just really I, I don't want to be the armchair general but you see of like they're all stacked up like that was just waiting to go wrong hit by mines and then artillery and then people were going well they could be recovered and then the Russians released this photograph which I was like I'm standing in front of this pile up and then there was this video as well of then these uh, Russian guys who have come out of the trenches to basically to just film a quick video in front of this pile of vehicles. So when armour goes wrong, it goes really wrong. And armoured manoeuvre warfare, have you had much experience with armoured manoeuvre warfare? I used, I was, I was, I was mech yeah. when I started. It is hard. So when you leave uh, military colleges, at least in the Australian military, you as an officer, you're not as, you don't recruit in as a core. So you then get selected of where you're going to be an infantry officer, an armoured officer, whatever. The hardest one is armoured officers because armoured stuff moves so quickly. There's so many variables. And not only does it move quickly with lots of variables, the range is also massive. Like you're talking four or five kilometres of range on the guns. So armoured manoeuvre warfare is incredibly difficult. And we have seen losses in this. But these offensives, they're going to take an afternoon or an evening. They could take weeks, months, a year. There's going to be heavy losses because these vehicles are going through minefields. They're going through artillery. The losses are going to be part of this. Uh, the, the only thing I will say with this was it was the reason it spread so much in the media was it was the very first time we'd seen these vehicles. Like the first eyes on a Leopard and Bradley's was them burning in a field, which is partially due to the tactics, but also partially due to the sh campaign, like the quiet campaign from the Ukrainian side. Therefore, the footage we're seeing is what then Russia released to us. And of course, that helps then the information campaign. This is why the sh campaign can actually be, um, have the opposite effect on Ukraine because the information we're getting is from Russian sources. We don't really have much from Ukrainian sources, but looking at uh, what's coming out of geolocated footage and maps, there's definitely areas being taken as well. No, there's there's areas being taken. I mean, I'm, I'm watching a video right now, which I, I can't really share the entire thing. I can't really share any of it because of YouTube, but they're, they're on the, they're doing stuff in the counter, the counter, this is actually down inside Zaporizhia. I mean, look how wide open it is. It's just a big, well, yeah. that's not going to, that didn't show you, but a second ago, it was yeah. just, it's just big and wide open. And yeah. I, I do think the night is probably their friend if they have the right equipment, which, I don't think they have the full blown right equipment to do it, but it is what it is. I know they've uh, they've liberated one one village. They're moving down in two separate areas. Not enough to even really show you guys. I can't even say the name of the place. It's it's, it's just south of Vel Velkia Novo something. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so there's there's a few gains we're really looking at. So and in Bakhmut, they had a little bit of success in the southern portion. Yeah, so so I'll I'll talk a little bit again. So if you have a look at Zaporizhia. Then we have um, Stepove, which is just to the west of Orakiv. And this is what I would say is the most western advance. So if we zoom back in, we're coming in on Zaporizhia here. And of course we have Orakiv. And what we're seeing is some level of advance in and around the Stepove, Lobkove region in here. And this is the most western advance as far as west across the country. And what we need to remember is, well, this is the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, nuclear power plant and 
This is Kakovka here. So all of this is flooded down here. And this is too wide to ford. Well, it's not too wide to ford, but as long as armoured vehicles, it, it would be a massive risk. And we've seen a lot in that region. So we have seen, you can see the amount of grey and green in this region, that more of this has been dug in here. And this represents by movements on the map as well. And then if we move across through Old Kiev, we know there's a lot of fighting here, but we haven't seen any real movement on the map. And where we're seeing a lot of the fighting going down is in and around this Novodonetsky region. And we know, well, I'm clicking off everywhere, that this Bladny here has been, has only today come under actual control of yeah. Ukrainian forces. There's been a lot of talk in and around this area, so and a lot of talk around Novopil here. So this border in the grey, this was the border only... 96 hours ago, say. Now as well, this region down here, which is uh, Levadani, as well, this has come into grey zone, although many would say that this is going to become blue in the next 24 hours. So this has been taken as well here. So you've got this multiple axis pushing in and cutting off some areas in and around here. Now, the rest of the front line is fairly stable. That doesn't mean there's fighting. We know there's a lot of fighting in Avdivka, but... Bakhmut is, well, this is a region we're going to see a lot of fighting. Now, I actually thought today we are going to see this map change, but we haven't. So we have Berkhivka. Now, the maps are showing dramatically different in and around this area of all the maps. So what is actually going on is hard to know. So we look at this reservoir here. What we do need to look at is that there is, on the ISW, you see that all around this reservoir is under a grey zone or Ukrainian control, but Deep State is only showing the southern portion. But the Rybar uh, Russian sources is showing something interesting as well. So it is showing that the Russians have actually pushed Ukraine out of this Berkivka. So we see this lighter uh, red area. This used to be uh, grey zone, but they've pushed them out. That's what the Russian sources are saying. But interesting as well, in the south of Bakhmut, that's showing that Ukraine has pushed back the Russians in a number of regions as well, down around this canal and to uh, the northwest of Klushkivka and the south of Ivanovsky. So we're talking, this is Klushkivka, this is Ivanovsky, and this is where we see this canal, so mm -hmm. pushing down through here. So it's incredibly difficult to actually know what is happening day to day, but we do know that there are movements all and we we do know there's movements in both ways we do know that there's this fluid front line that ukraine will take some russia can take some back because if you're pushing an area it leaves other areas open but we know that there's people saying five axis of advance I, I really think there's three big ones so there might be five axes individually but i think if we're talking where are the pushes we're talking buckmoot this um, Novodonetsky region, and then the Zaporanzia down in here to the uh, Lobkov region, but I'll just call that sort of the Orokiv. Now, within that, there's multiple axes, but they're the big three regions we're seeing pushes at the moment. So it's interesting. There is successes now. At what cost are these successes? We don't know. This, this is what we don't know. Offensive campaigns could have a very high attrition, and that is going to be of how long can Ukraine keep up the momentum they've got, and they need to maintain that momentum. Once that momentum drops, then it could be in the shit. And as well, we know the defensive lines here, that there are six layers of defence, and this is only at fighting at, in front of, or within the first layer. 
that how bogged down can this get or in it or can it manoeuvre around it. So it's going to be interesting to see over the next coming weeks. Talking about being bogged down, guys, it feels like it's harder to get into shape or like stay in shape. Today's sponsor, Eugenics Total Tea, is offering complimentary bottles to you guys right now. If you guys tech truth, that is T-R-U-T-H, all caps to 231-231. It's free. Why wouldn't you give it a shot? Myself, I'm getting older. I've actually got gray inside of my beard. I know my stuff is going down the pooper. Literally, getting it just sucks. It changed my body. My back is constantly hurting. He knows I've been through here. Uh, I've been through the ring over the last three weeks going to the doctor just trying to get stuff fixed. It sucks. My back is so jacked up. And it causes me, well, I can't really stay in shape. If you guys are looking for some more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging, Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofen will help you guys turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you guys better results at the gym, and help and make you look feel like a man you really want to be. You want to look like a man? This is the best way to do it. Nugenics Total Tea actually contains man-boosting key ingredients like testophen. Yes, it has been validated by five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels inside of your inside of your body if you're a man. Men, literally, that's what you need. Nugenics Total Tea can actually help regenerate your life, help you back to the more powerful, confident, good-looking warrior you guys used to be. I know, it sucks. We age and we die, but they'll help you out. If you guys are not totally satisfied, Nugenics will actually refund 100% of your purchase price plus shipping and processing. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you guys text 231-231 to enter code TRUTH. That's all you got to do. Text 231-231. That's it. Enter the code word TRUTH. Text now and get a free bottle of Nugenics Thermo X with their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you guys get lean fast and it's absolutely free. Text 231-231 and enter keyword TRUTH. That's 231-231 and enter keyword TRUTH. Super simple. Check them out the link for the top description as well. Texting enrolls you guys into reoccurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. So another thing I think words better than like and Blake do is yesterday's MOD Intel update is from um, the British. So the 48 hours since significant Ukrainian operations have been taking place over several sectors in southern and eastern Ukraine. And this is you know, the offensive. And when we're reading this, we're at 72 or 96 hours past this, well, from the initial. But Ukrainian forces have likely made good progress and penetrated the first line of Russian defences. In others, Ukrainian progress has been slower. Russian performance has been mixed. Some units are likely conducting credible manoeuvre defence operations, while others have pulled back in some disorder amid uh, increased reports of Russian casualties as they withdraw through their own minefields and i think this is what we are seeing on the map is we're seeing some areas the defense holding and credible defensive maneuvers from the russian side being uh, conducted but on other areas we are seeing that it's not up and then they're pulling back to areas and we have seen as well moving back through minefields which is not great and delaying forces as well so moving from defensive positions rearwards is not that is a defensive movement. You are delaying from there. So I, I think this word, well, we're seeing performance in some and we're seeing gains in some and not so much in other areas. But it does say here, the Russian Air Force has been unusually active over southern Ukraine, where the airspace is more permissive for Russia than other parts of the country. However, it remains unclear whether tactical airstrikes have been effective. Now, I can't speak on if the tactical airstrikes have been effective or not. Not that much footage is coming out. And like we saw from the... Um, Russian attack at choppers, hunting the John yeah. Deers. Um, but 
it does say that the um, airspace is more permissive, so more uh, in line for the Russian force. And we do know that Russia does have the air dominance in those regions. Not air superiority, but it is dominant in the air. So that is... But it's like it's been unusually active. It's like no shit it's been unusually active because fuck all's happening there for a month. Yeah, and then the offensive starts. It's going to be more... It's like saying, oh, the guns weren't that active for a week. You're like, yeah, no shit. They weren't fighting. But I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that worded, I guess, what we're trying to put across a little bit better. But They did, they did knock out a... Uh, again, we, we don't take this railway really fast to repair, but they did take out a, a an intersection, a bridge, I guess you would say, of a, of a good chunk. Mm-hmm. A very. Did you see this down just south of Melitable? Yeah, I did. But I'm not really entirely sure this is going to be super effective for very long. It's probably short term. It's probably good. But your partisan actions, and we've we've talked about this a little bit. That we have a lot of people saying that partisan actions are going to increase over the next coming months. They, they should. They, I mean, that that right there is one of the ways that that Russia will lose because it's it's impossible to counter that. Yes, it's li- it's physically impossible for any and unless they just lock down everybody and kill everybody like the Germans did back in like World War II. That's literally the only way, and that didn't even pan out for them. But either. they still didn't. Yeah, they, they still didn't, didn't succeed. They, didn't, they tried. Yeah, but it didn't really work. That's what I'm saying. It's 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 physically impossible to do it. So you have men and women that are doing crazy shit behind way behind lines that you have. Like you guys are just because the thing is, is complacency kills. When you guys are overseas and you guys are doing something, just same thing for the Russians. They're going to be stuck in an area. They're doing the same thing over and over and over again. They see the same people, the same routes, the same roads, the same everything. Everything's fine. Then all of a sudden, shit just explodes out of nowhere. Complacency really kills. That's what's going to happen behind because they're not going to be able to stop all this stuff. So it's not going to happen if they keep doing this. Especially when it comes to logistics, like th- this is this kind of hurts some significant logistically. So we're seeing that the Russians are, excuse me, the Ukrainians are attempting to push down from that. I'm just going to say Zaporizhia front. That's how I'm just going to say this. It's right. an oblast, I'm yeah. just going to say it. that that northern area. They're trying to push down towards Melitopol for sure. Not entirely sure if their end goal is to hit Melitopol and and cut that hub off completely because that area is kind of like a. Um, it kind of reminds me of Belgorod. Yeah. Kind of Where they crossed in the Russian side? No, I'm, t- I'm talking about as as a logistical hub. Um, uh, um, what was that area over there back in like the day? They used Kupiansk. To Kupiansk. Yeah, yeah. Was, thank you. That's Belgorod's not the one I'm thinking of. Kupiansk. It kind of reminds me of the Kupiansk over the south mm. to a certain extent because that's pretty much where everything is flowing in and out of to go east and west. And that's pretty much all I got on that. But partisan actions are unbelievably hard to kind of impossible and this is where the idea comes of the because partisan warfare is asymmetrical warfare and the idea that ukraine doesn't have to win they just have to not lose that if there's so much of this behind the line and then it will take up so many russian resources to try and keep that under control that's pulling people from other regions we're going to see absolutely more of that and we have seen a lot of it more recently train lines spontaneously combusting um officials getting you know bombed in their car things like this the one thing with train lines is train lines can be repaired very quickly we know the americans have a reserve unit that is all they do is repair train lines and the russians have a full-time unit of trains because we know the soviet union they built train lines everywhere in a way, uh, because they believe that was how to move things around um, the empire. I want to say uh, at the correct, uh, sorry, at the correct, uh, move things around the empire in the most efficient way. They really lent into that 
with with those. So taking them out, but it can really do things. And with that, that train line actually cuts off, I believe, the east to west uh, supply through to the north of Crimea. And as I need to do, because then we have left with the Kerch Bridge. And I, I think eventually we're going to see a heap of Storm Shadow missiles um, heading towards the Kerch, Kerch Bridge. Now, you said in that uh, that Melitopol is, you know, where they're going to push. I believe the first hub they're going to push push for is Tokmak, straight down from Zaporizhia, oh, yeah, straight yeah. down. they got to go through Orkut. a bunch of stuff to get to Melitopol. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of stuff to get through to get to Melitopol. Yeah. Melitopol's months and months away. Yeah. At the current rate, Melitopol's like year away. I just received a really random text from a person. I think it's a lady. She sent me this. A bottle of wine? I don't know. I'm Is it a good bottle of wine? I don't know. It's I don't know. I'm Send her a photo of me. I sure. <laughs> I will. I don't. I'm just. <laughs> just be warned. You might get naked pics back now. I don't know. Either. Once she sees the big willy, mate. I think you sent that. Sent it. So I think one of the big things of this offensive, and I'm just talking out my ass here, but. What is going to be very interesting is not only the clearance of these regions, which have been dug in since um, 22, is going to be how it looks when Ukraine start assaulting areas that have been dug in since 14. So we're talking Donetsk, Luhansk, Crimea. Once those pushes, because we have no, we have no um, history of actually showing how those will actually look. And one thing that Ukraine then will be fighting in this region is in the areas, in the red areas, Taken since 22, 99% of the people are pro-Ukrainian side, or maybe 95%, but the majority of civilians are on the Ukrainian side. One thing we're going to see in these regions is it's probably still the majority, but there's going to be a larger percentage, there's still going to be much larger than the other areas, that are partisans against the Ukrainians. So, say Crimea. Now, of course, the Crimean Tatars are going to be most likely in the Ukrainian, like um, pro-Ukrainian side, but there's a heap of Russians that have been moved into that area that will have been acting as partisans against the Ukrainians. I'm really hoping this person actually responds back because I, I did send them a message with you. Solid. It's a girl, at least. She's got a hand with the, her fingernails are black. I know that. Emo mummy. But <laughs> Emo mummy? <laughs> what? Emo mummy. Oh, okay. Although there is the Ukraine like shh campaign at the moment, once we do start seeing major moves and more ground taken, there will be footage green lighted and come out. Like you know, if, if you if Ukraine are putting, imagine they were to push down and take um, Tokmak, for example. That's just an example. I want to cut you off, but three minutes ago, another railway was just taken out this time. It doesn't surprise me at all. This one was down. Are you ready? Three minutes ago. Which Cry- one? Crimea. Uh, way deep in do a you have town a of map of it Kurovsky Kurovsky way down there oh yeah by so the it's Kirch, near by down the Kirch, Kirch, yeah. like way down there interesting well we're gonna see more of that from there we were just talking about it three three minutes ago this just happened yeah the track that connects Kirch to pretty much the rest of the world down there okay yeah so that means they're deep they're deep unverified another one another town has been taken oh the town just uh west of Blahad Blahodin, or how do you say it? That one just taken forty minutes ago. To the there, there's still stuff is still that, happening. Uh, Rivnapol or some some stuff still still happening Storos as we're sitting here. Storos of oh uh, yeah, Storo. Yeah, I can barely say it, but Storos Heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's 
there's a lot there's a lot moving so what, what i was going to say is although there's the shh campaign once we start seeing big moves things will be green lighted and released absolutely for the informational campaign because what ukraine need is support so if they're putting up flags areas that's going to get green lighted and put through another chunk was just liberated literally eight minutes ago here's actually confirmed video yeah look at this neck it's just west of that as well look on there's good yeah just so yeah now you have that whole that that chunk is now yeah that chunk was was gray zone i I probably would have put that was but now you have that whole you have it's actually geolocated and that's good look at that so i guess they are doing a little bit of stuff as we're sitting here literally but this is kind of the time of the day when stuff starts filtering out because it's like their evening right now, correct? This is, this is the time, time of the, the day Ukraine. when I normally start seeing yes. stuff really start roll out. From it's the 1900. Day. Yeah, this is this is when this around noonish our time is when stuff really starts rolling out. That's when we roll out videos too. <laughs> like yeah, I guess that's very true. Yeah, well, they're just after an entire day of actually doing stuff. But that's that's good. So we're actually seeing something actually happening. Good job, Ukrainians. You're doing something with your life. Yeah, well, it's it's it has to happen. Like the the question is of what will be the success of these, and this is what we will see over the coming weeks and months. What the real success is, and can there be a counteroffensive from the counter counteroffensive from the Russians? Do they have the capability to do that? And what then will be Ukraine's uh, ability past this, depending on how um, clear this is? Like if they get the south then what happens in the later in the year to then get the east and things like this can they launch then another offensive campaign because i think realistically is this offensive going to clear from kharkiv to crimea i'm doubtful on that will they get big chunks that can um shape the rest of it absolutely all right well i do hope you guys have a fantastic uh sunday I will see you guys like multiple times this next coming week. I think that, I think we're going to have some stuff rolling out. I'm pretty excited. It's going to be a good week. It's going to be a big week for the Ukrainians, the whole world. Uh, something's going to happen, especially between Shogu and, and Prigozhin. I reckon they fight. They're going to get, they're going to have fist fights. See, speaking of these fights though, not to drag the video on, but Pete, I love seeing people and they're like, what we should do is instead of wars, just have our leaders fight. And I'm like, but that means America's the least powerful country in the world. 100%. We're, we're dead. Have you seen, like, some of the other leaders around the world? Like... Yeah, we are so screwed. Yeah. Like, we are so screwed. America... Would, our guy can't even walk straight right now, He's, let alone... Your boy. You voted for him. All right. Thank Fuck you, guys. Away. See you guys later. I'll see you guys tomorrow.